the Colby Daniels Podcast. Will Brewer is my guest today. Will, we are only a couple days away from UFC 264. It is finally here. Holy cow, my excitement level this week has just grown and grown and grown. And now, obviously, I'm uh, I'm just geeked for this thing to finally go down. I tell you what, man, after the January fight, I was kind of like, man, you know what? McGregor's not going to be able to draw my attention uh, like he did, you know, after seeing him get knocked out like that. He's not going to be able to draw my attention. But, bro, I tell you what, the last couple of days, just all the media, you know, seeing him and the interviews and the interviews that both of it, both of them have done, watching the fights back. Now I'm just I'm geek, man. I cannot <laughs> wait for this fight, man. Like I can't believe I even said that six months ago because I was uh, uttering complete bullshit. <laughs> you you uh, probably took for granted the thing that Conor McGregor is best at, and that's selling a fight. Conor McGregor can sell a fight unlike anybody in the sport, and you knew that once fight week rolled around, he was going to say all the right things to get people jacked up about this thing. Yeah, man, just hearing how he's speaking now is completely different from the from the bald-headed uh, English teacher that we had uh, six months ago, man. Just everything that he's talking <laughs> now, talking now, just like, man, you can just tell like he he's got that mindset back where he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill this guy. He's already a dead body on the stretcher. Like, man, uh, he's saying all the right things. Uh, he seems to have that uh, mindset back from when he was uh, a champion back in the day. So um, whether that converts into the fight, we'll see. But uh, as far as fight week, it's great for fight week. It's absolutely great for fight week. Um, if you're going to turn this thing around as quickly as they did, you needed vintage Conor McGregor to sell this thing because the image we all have of him is laying on the ground, getting KO'd by Dustin Poirier. And six months later, especially when Conor was really outclassed because Dustin Poirier has so many more mixed martial arts skills, you had to go vintage Conor if you were going to sell this thing the way that it needed to be sold. So... We talked a few weeks ago about uh, Conor McGregor and it being so quiet around his camp and the buildup to this fight, but finally we get to fight week. He's saying all the right things to get people excited. Saturday night's going to be a blockbuster. And look, I want to talk about legacy in a minute as well. But, uh, you know, when you look at this fight, what's at stake from a legacy standpoint? What's at stake as far as the division and 155 and maybe what's next from a title standpoint, as far as Conor McGregor goes, I mean, this is a lot more than that. I think you're talking about a guy that is somewhat of a global superstar, and even even another loss doesn't necessarily take that away, but man, it really diminishes the star that is Conor McGregor if if we're talking about two losses in a six-month period. And and look, that will also mean he, he goes to, what, one and three at 155? Right. Right. Yeah. So um, I think he definitely needs to win this fight. Um, he's not going to uh, he's going to say that, you know, I've done everything. Uh, my legacy set in stone. There's not really much more that I need to do, but he needs to win this fight more than more than anything, because people are starting to realize, like, you know, Connor's a double champion. He's a superstar. All that's fine. But what has he really done in the division? He's one in three. Uh, what is outside of the featherweight division? He hasn't had like a long, like dominant, like streak of like just big wins. So I think people are, especially if he loses his fight, people are going to be like, yeah, he's a superstar. I'm going to watch him, but I'm not really sure if he's going to, if he's the elite of the elite anymore or, you know, being a double champion, all that's fine. But he never had a dominant championship reign. You know, we've never really looked at him and said, that's the best fighter in the world. We always looked at him as a superstar, but being the elite of the elite, I think he's kind of missed that. Yeah, I, I think you could call him maybe the most exciting fighter. Uh, and and I, I still think he brings that sort of mystique to the octagon. When Conor McGregor walks in and that cage closes, there there's definitely an excitement level about what you're going to see from Conor McGregor. He's so unpredictable. He's so unorthodox. He has the ability to put you to sleep at any moment in a fight and, and I, you know, that that's exciting for fans, but that's also a completely different thing. Being the most exciting fighter on the planet is a completely different thing from being the best fighter on the planet. And we're talking about a guy that currently has a losing record in, in his current 
weight division. We're talking about a guy, when you look at his last six UFC fights, he's a 500 fighter, Will. Yeah, and, and you know, when you see the, these names on the marquee, like, that's what made the Khabib fight so intriguing because Khabib was the best lightweight on the planet at the time, and Connor's the biggest superstar. So, of course, it's going to draw all of the eyeballs and everything. It's going to be uh, billed as the biggest fight, you know, ever and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, Connor hasn't done much at 155. You know, he he beat Eddie Alvarez and then just went off, you know, in the in the best the best that he ever looked was against Eddie Alvarez. And then he went, took that momentum into boxing, which I was in the same thing because that was the biggest amount of money that you're going to be able to get. You know, $100 million to fight Floyd Mayweather. Who wouldn't uh, take that? So he took off three and a half years of valuable octagon time where a lot of these other guys are, are, are catching them, you know. Um, the evolution of the sport is just getting so crazy that everyone's just good at everything. Um, so, yeah, Connor's just he's a he's a 500 fighter at best here at, at lightweight. But what he's trying to what he's setting out to prove to people now is that he's the elite of the elite, that he's not just the biggest superstar, that he is the best in the world. For me, that's what I want to see. Are you the best in the world? Uh, are you not only are you the big superstar, but are you the best in the world? That's what I want to see out of him. I was thinking about this earlier today. Conor McGregor is obviously a double champ, right? Like that's that's one of those things that uh, will forever make him one of the icons of the sport. He's a champ champ. Dustin Poirier has never been an undisputed champion. Yet, I think when you start to look at the resumes, there's an argument to be made that Dustin Poirier's resume is more impressive than Conor McGregor's. Uh, yes, absolutely. I agree 100%. I agree 100% because, I mean, okay, Connor went through 145. I mean, stylistically, those guys couldn't mess with Connor because Connor had length, he had height, um, his counter strikes. Like, nobody could take that. The way he was darting in and out with his karate stance, like, uh, you know, Chad Mendez, Jose Aldo, they're great fighters, but they're not going to be able to, to hang with, with Connor McGregor, someone who's that powerful. Um, even though he was cutting a lot of weight, uh, Connor still carried a lot of power at that weight. And uh, none of those guys could take it. Uh, at 155, he fought Eddie Alvarez. And I'll say, you know, Eddie Alvarez, the underground king, he's great. Uh, he's a great fighter and everything. But if there was anybody at that weight for Conor McGregor to match up perfectly against, it's definitely Eddie Alvarez. <laughs> I mean, it, it was, I mean. Well, look, you know, they, they both beat Eddie Alvarez, right? Well, right. So, yeah. you know, Eddie, Eddie's, Eddie's a, he's good, but. His chin, man, it, it's, it's been tested and, you know, more times than not, uh, he's went down. And with a guy as accurate as Connor, I mean, Eddie, there wasn't much that Eddie was going to be able to do. You know, Eddie uh, was giving up some reach. He was giving up some size to Connor. And, you know, they say fools rush in and Eddie did a lot of rushing in in that fight. And Connor being the accurate counter striker that he is just kind of took it to him. But, you know, Connor's fought a lot of guys that's kind of just really, really good stylistic matchups for him. While Dustin has just been fighting whoever is whoever's the next guy, you know, I think Dustin Poirier is the number one lightweight in the world. Charles Oliveira is the champion, but Dustin Poirier is the number one guy to me. So, you know, Dustin Poirier's fought Max Holloway, Anthony Pettis, um, Justin Gaethje, Dan Hooker. Uh, Diego Fajeda. Uh, Diego Fajeda, Conor McGregor twice. Like he's seen it all. He's fought everyone. Jim Miller, like uh, Bobby yeah. Green, like you name it. Like Dustin Poirier's been there and done that. When you look at the names, like former champions that he's beat, you know, uh, Jim Miller's one of the guys with the uh, most wins in UFC history. Like when you look when you look at the resume, you could definitely make a case that Dustin Poirier's resume is just head and shoulders above Conor McGregor's. The only thing is. McGregor's got those uh, two titles right. to his name. Two titles to Conor McGregor's name, zero for Dustin Poirier. But I think there's also something to be said. I mean, we mentioned all those names, Will. There's also something to be said for the run that Dustin Poirier has been on in the 155 division at the time that the 155 division has been the king of all divisions in UFC. I mean, this is the right. best division, I think, currently 
And and if you want to back up to even when Habib was the champ, I I think over the last maybe twelve year or twelve month span, this has been the most talent rich division in the history of the UFC. Easily, the the most talent rich division in the entire UFC. Khabib is just that just shows how good Khabib is because he's been wiping the floor with these guys. Uh, he's retired now, but Dustin Poirier, his resume, he lost to Michael Johnson uh, about four. About five years ago, maybe, uh, he was on a run. He went up against Michael Johnson got knocked out. Since that fight, the only person to beat him is Khabib. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. I truly believe this. Dustin Poirier is the best lightweight in the world, not named Khabib Nurmagomedov. If, if Khabib is not in uh, the UFC, if he's retired, Dustin Poirier is the man at 155. And... Until I'm proven different, Dustin Poirier is the guy. Does the winner of this, either way, does the winner of this face Charles Oliveira for the 155 belt? Absolutely. There's nothing There's nothing more that you can do. Like, Dustin Poirier's beaten, if he beats Conor McGregor for a second time uh, out of the three fights, he's going to have all the eyeballs on him. Uh, it's going to be uh, all the pay-per-view points and everything, all the fans that's going to see this fight. Man, Dustin Poirier definitely deserves it. He's been in the round for 16 years. Uh, so Dustin Poirier definitely deserves it. And Conor McGregor, just give him a win, and he's already in title <laughs> kitchen because of just, just how big his star is. Like, you, you can't go any other way. So the winner of this fight definitely uh, is going to get that title shot, for sure. I, I heard this thrown out earlier in the week. Does Conor McGregor want the 155 title shot? with Charles Oliveira holding the belt because I, I, and I agree with this. I heard this is a really bad matchup for Conor McGregor. If he's facing Charles Oliveira next. And I honestly, I agree with that. I I don't know that that would be enough in my mind for Conor McGregor to say no, but at the same time, we're talking about a guy that, uh, you know, like we're talking, we're having this legacy conversation and coming off the loss against Poirier, I, you know, you, you have to start evaluating who your opponents are very carefully. It's not like you're at the beginning of your career, right? Like, there's not a ton of fights left for Conor McGregor. So, you you do have to, I think, be extra careful about who you're going to pick and what path you're going to take. And I, I just think that's a really interesting conversation to have. Yeah, so the way I see it is, Connor's going to be chasing the mo- the biggest fight out there. And while there's if any McGregor fight is going to is going to be big, but I think McGregor chasing the championship that in itself is just it's just big, you know? And then he's, he he said in interviews before about the new uh stadium in in uh in Las Vegas, the Raider Stadium. He's talking about selling that out and everything, and I think the biggest fight that you could put in there, I mean, of course, Connor and Nate would be huge. You can always have that fight, but I think, to me, Connor chasing the belt with the how big of a star he is. I think that's the fight. That fight is bigger than the Nate Diaz fight. That's just in my in my opinion. I might be I might be wrong. You know who knows? But I think Connor chasing that chasing the belt uh, in that big stadium. I think that's what he wants. I think, given what we watched from Nate Diaz the last time he fought against Leon Edwards. I think a Connor trilogy fight against Nate Diaz would dwarf what people would be interested in as far as that or Connor McGregor versus Charles Oliveira. I don't th- I don't now, think it would even be close. Now see, I didn't mention I didn't really mention Charles Oliveira's name because like when you think when you talk about the name McGregor and Oliveira versus McGregor Diaz, of course, right. McGregor Diaz trumps right. that, right? But what I'm saying, <laughs> what I'm saying is McGregor chasing the championship. Yeah. You know, kind of leave Oliveira out. Yeah. But McGregor chasing the the crown again is kind of what I'm gearing towards more than more than that. But I mean, either either fight's going to be huge. But I just think, uh, as for, in terms of his legacy, uh, McGregor chasing the title is what he would would want to chase next. Yeah. Is Dustin Poirier the most underappreciated? UFC fighter of of like the last few years. Okay, I think it's a tie between him and Stipe. Okay, but, uh, I 
I definitely think he's very underappreciated. But I, I'm, but I think just because he's starting, he's been fighting Conor McGregor, people are finally starting to realize how good he is. You know, you hear the discussions of is Dustin Poirier a top, you know, three five uh, lightweight of all time? I think we're starting to have those discussions now because he's fighting a guy like Conor McGregor and looking as good as he did, and and then you start to look at his entire resume, all the champions that he's beat. I mean, his resume, when you look at it, I mean, Tony Ferguson won 12 fights in a row, but who's to say that Dustin Poirier's resume, even though he's got some losses, who's to say Dustin Poirier's resume isn't better than Tony Ferguson's, right? right. You know, Khabib is 29-0. and 0. I mean, of course, he's probably the best lightweight of all time. But in terms of strength of schedule, I think Dustin Poirier's strength of schedule beats most of the lightweights that's ever that's ever fought in UFC. Agreed. So I think I think finally we're starting to really appreciate uh, how good Dustin Poirier is. But before this Conor McGregor, uh, these Conor McGregor fights happen, I think we were really underappreciating him. Not not you and I, especially you, because you're a big Dustin Poirier fan, and I've been watching Dustin Poirier for a long time. But I think people are really starting to see uh, how good Dustin Poirier is. Yeah, uh, look, I I just every time he fights, it's literally like a great fight. Every time, it's never a dud. The guy delivers every single time. How about this quote from Conor McGregor? My record in mixed martial arts competition is nineteen wins and one loss. I only count knockouts. Dustin's record is thirteen wins, two losses. The only thing that's final in this business is a knockout. All the other shit, the decisions, the taps, all that shit mean nothing to me. I'm coming to take a man's head off. Is that I mean, the biggest nonsense you've heard all week? Yeah, because and what's crazy is fighters and fans are really like buying into this. Like, you know, Max Holloway's like, oh, so that means I'm uh, I'm undefeated. I'm the best boxer in UFC, baby. And then Paul Felder, oh well, I guess that means I retired undefeated. I never got finished. So, you know, fighters and fans are buying into this. But for me, you know, for the for the hardcore fans, you're like, nah, man, especially the taps, right? The like, taps I part is kinda, absolutely absurd. Right. You can kind of understand the decision part of it. But when you talk about the taps, like, come on, man, all that other shit doesn't matter. Like the taps, you literally said you literally tapped and said, I don't you want said I've had enough parts of this, man. I've yeah. had enough. I can't take this anymore. Get me out of here. So, yeah, I mean, of course, there, it's one thing to say, like, you separated someone from the consciousness. That's great and everything. But when you tap, that's finishing the fight. So I think you, you have to factor that in. Yeah, that's well. actually choosing to, to yeah. stop the fight. Yeah, like, you can go out on your shield and get choked out. But then if, when you tap, it's like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. Like, please get me out of here. Yeah. Uh, Connor was asked yeah. if uh, he was too nice the last time around. And... Uh, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was something along the lines of, yeah, you know, I felt like I just wanted to rescue Dustin and his little family and save them. So uh, now that we've done that, I can, I can, you know, actually kick his ass this time. And I like, I'm just so glad that it's fight week and it's vintage Conor McGregor saying shit like that. I'm, I'm, I, I, Conor McGregor's great for the sport and he's, he's such a rock star while I think it was, I, I think everybody appreciated how professional, I guess, quote unquote, he was the last time around. It 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 didn't feel like Conor McGregor. This this feels like the Conor that was a rock star. This feels like the Conor that is an icon of the sport. Man, I tell you what, I went back and I watched the presser from uh, two fifty seven. I watched uh, the walkout and everything like. Uh, even Connor just in the octagon before when Bruce Buffer was announcing him and stuff. And then I watched the very first fight um, way back when, when Connor was on his way up, just the confidence that he had. I didn't see that same guy uh, six months ago, man. Just, I, I don't know. I don't know what it was. It definitely wasn't. Okay. I'm going to act this way because of Dustin's family. It definitely wasn't that. I mean, I don't know. You know, Connor had dealt with a lot of stuff. You know, he had kids, um, there was a lot of, you know, legal stuff going on with him. I think maybe he was trying to put on a, a better image uh, after all the stuff that's that he's been doing with the with the bus incident, you know, punching the guy in the bar. You know, we don't even need to, need to get into all that. But I think he was trying to do it for his image more so. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. But um, when I when I look back and I watched that guy from six months ago with the glasses and everything, bald head, <laughs> that just 
Yeah, man. It just wasn't the same guy. Even the look on his face, like there's just this certain Connor look and um, I'll have to like screenshot it and send it to you. But there's a certain Connor look that that I've grown accustomed to seeing. That's just a real confident look. And I did not see that look not one time uh, in the presser or uh, walking to the octagon. You know, it just didn't seem like he was all there. And then in the fight, you know, his whole stance and everything, it was just, I just feel like Conor McGregor wasn't there. I, I don't know who that was six months ago. I definitely think we'll see that guy now. But six months ago, that wasn't the same guy for sure. All right, Will, are you ready to make some picks? Yeah, I am uh, ready to make some picks. Um, I've been going back and forth on a couple of these. But, uh, yeah, I'm ready to make some picks. <laughs> All right, so you have a nine-point lead. We haven't had a fight card in two weeks, but two weeks ago, you gained three points on the uh, the main event, Cyril gone over Volkov. Um, I gained a couple points on uh, Tanner Bozer over OSP and uh, Tim Means over Nicholas Dalby. So you currently have a nine-point lead as we enter UFC 264. And unfortunately for me, there's uh, there's only one three-pointer on this card. Let me just say, I cannot believe I picked Ovin St. Prue to win that fight. My God. Yeah, I don't know what you <laughs> were mean, thinking, but... I don't, I don't know, man, but yeah. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah. Oh, that was so well, bad. look, I mean, when you have a nine-point lead, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're able to take some chances like that, so... Maybe that was just your uh, your charity for the week. Yeah, we'll, we'll call it that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel better calling it that than what was originally in my mind. Like, Will, you're such a dumbass. Like, why would you even think about picking There you go. There you go. Well, I, you know, situation. you're my friend, so I didn't want to go that route. But, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll say it for you, man. I know it's what you were thinking in your head. <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. All right. Nine-point lead for you, Mr. Brewer. So we will start out. And we'll loop back around, and um, we can we can talk about some of these prelim fights as well. But uh, let's hit the main card, and we start in the bantamweight division. We have Sean O'Malley, thirteen and one overall, against Chris Motino, nine and four overall. Chris Motino, by the way, I believe is making his UFC debut for this fight, and uh, our odds say that Sean O'Malley is a minus nine hundred. Favorite Chris Matino plus five fifty. Well, um, I think it's pretty. <laughs> this one's pretty easy. Um, you know, this is a guy taking the fight on short notice. I will say he'll probably be a, a tough customer because he's fighting out of the same camp as Calvin Cater and Rob Font. He'll probably be tough, but you know, I just think uh, he's. He jumped into a fight for an opportunity in the UFC, but he's you know he's fighting a guy who's just red hot right now, Sean O'Malley. Uh, he's just way more skilled, and uh, he's he was two and two in a in the regional scene in Boston and everything. So he's uh, taking a huge jump up in uh, in competition with, with fighting Sean O'Malley, who's uh, definitely a top fifteen uh, bantamweight in the world. So uh, I'm going Sean O'Malley. Yeah, another W for Sugar Sean O'Malley. Um, I, you know, I don't know how much of a challenge Lewis Smolka was going to be. I feel like Sean O'Malley right now, I feel like, is looking really good. And certainly when you talk about that division, that's another one that is incredibly deep. For him to not even be ranked in the top 15, to me, is mind-blowing. Because I think this is a, a future challenger. I think he's that good. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know a lot about Chris Matino, but... Uh, this is this is more about me feeling like Sean O'Malley is on the right path, uh, and Sean O'Malley is you know a lot in in the mold of Conor McGregor. It's it's not just the fighting. It's there's an entertainment value to what he brings from how he packages, you know what he's selling you to just the style in which he fights with. Uh, it's it's all packaged in a way that I think fight fans absolutely love. So this guy's going to be given. As long as he he does his part, he's going to be given every opportunity there is to reach the mountaintop. So uh, it's a matter of time before Sean O'Malley starts getting those big fights that he wants to start elevating his career. But he's a fan favorite without a doubt, and he's he's one of those names that uh, that kind of supersedes the sport to to a degree. 
I mean, obviously he's not been around long enough and, and fought enough big names to be, a, you know, a Conor McGregor type, but I, I think there are a lot of casual fans that uh, are, are big on Sean O'Malley because he's colorful and uh, he knocks people out. Yeah, man. Uh, Sean O'Malley, you can just tell he's got that certain something that draws the, the, the eyes of the fans. Um, he's got the style. Uh, he's always looking for the knockout. He's very exciting. Um, like you said, he, he's probably a couple fights away from really uh, being able to challenge for the for the title. I think uh, with one or two big wins, he'll be right in, in that mix. And I think just with, with the win on this card, being a Conor McGregor card with all the fans looking at him, this is the opening fight on the main card. Um, this is a fight where he should look to do something spectacular. And if he does, I mean, the rocket ship's already on him, but imagine if he does something crazy in this fight and does another turnaround fadeaway after the fight's over. Like, <laughs> it's going to be even bigger for him. So, um, yeah, I think this is just going to be uh, the coronation, per se, of uh, Sean O'Malley. Second fight on the main card, women's bantamweights. We have Irena Aldana and Yana Kunitskaya. Aldana, 12-6 and six overall. Kunitskaya, 14-5. and five. Oddshark.com has Aldana as a minus-120 favorite. Kunitskaya, plus-100. This one's tough, and this is how I know I'm really excited for a, for a uh, fight week. Because I was really, after my workout the other day, I was really just sitting in my car just thinking about this fight, Arena Aldana and Yana Kuniskaya. Like, man, like, Kuniskaya, like, she, you know, she's good. She's pretty good everywhere. But, you know, Arena Aldana, her boxing's just so crisp. You know, I was just going back and forth. And then I'm starting to think, like, man, I'm really excited for this fight. <laughs> um, you know, this fight's pretty interesting. You know, I think they're, they're fighting at the exact right time. Uh, Arena Aldana had a tough last fight against Holly Holm. Um, I think she should have used a lot more of her skills, but she was trying to box with someone who's a, a, a legendary boxer. So, you know, it wasn't going to go well for her. And Holly Holm is really coming into her own, and she's got a lot of experience. Yana Kunitskaya, you know, she's she was good, but I think now she's starting to really turn the corner. I think she's uh, got the mindset of, I can really be a champion. I can really be uh, at the top of this division. And she's not just going out there looking to just, you know, grind out a decision or anything. She's going out there to really push the pace. Um, who was her last fight against? I remember um, uh, her last fight, someone was just really trying to, like, hold her off of her. Um, Caitlin Vieta? Uh, Caitlin Vieta, yeah. Caitlin Vieta was just, was just tired, and she was just, just trying to – she was getting takedowns. And remember – she wasn't doing anything with these takedowns. She was just really just trying to just hold her down. And, but whenever Kuniskaya was on the feet, like she was just letting it go. Yeah. I think we're going to see a little bit more of that, but she's going to have to be careful because Aldana's got the power. Um, with that being said, my pick for this fight, um, I'm going to go with, uh, man, this is one tough. I'm going <laughs> to go with uh, Kuniskaya on this one. All right. Very nice. Um, I, I'm going to be on the other side of this. I'm going to go Aldana. I, I, I love the boxing. I think she's going to have to use, uh, range and her jab to, to not get caught up with, uh, Kunitskaya. But I, for a while today, I was, I was convinced that I was just going to go opposite you. And then I, I ended up landing on, I'm going Aldana no matter what. I, I, I just like her a little bit better in this matchup, but, uh, this this was a tough one. I I wrestled with this one a little bit, but uh, I, I think if if Aldana can stay clean, so to speak, I think um, I think her her skills went out. All right, we have heavyweights on the main card: Ty Tuivasa and Greg Hardy. Ty Tuivasa is twelve and three overall. Greg Hardy seven and three. Oddshark.com has Tuivasa as a minus one forty favorite. Greg Hardy is plus one fifteen. So, you know, we were we were kind of laughing uh, last week or, or the week before last week when we realized that this card was on the main card. This fight was on the main card. You know, Greg Hardy's name, you know, big former NFL player and everything. But, you know, I, I actually think, like, you know, if these two go out there and actually have a fight that, that heavyweights 
are supposed to have, just that slug out uh, the slugfest. I think it could be potentially a fight of the night contender. But um, I think at this point in their careers, I think um, Tai Tuavasa is on, I think he's on the way up. I mean, he was already on the way up, and then he took a, a drastic leap down um, fighting uh, some of these guys and really just chasing the knockout. And um, he's really added layers to his game. While I think Greg Hardy, what you see is what you get from him. I think he tries in uh, in camp and everything, but I, I just don't really see him having the the fight IQ uh, to for for mixed martial arts. So I think uh, if Tai Tuivasa would have been fighting um, like he was maybe five fights ago, maybe Greg Hardy would have had a better chance because Greg Hardy has big power. But I think now. Uh, the work that Tai Tuivasa has been doing uh, with AKA and everything, working on his wrestling, working on other layers of, of MMA, I think uh, Tai Tuivasa wins this one. Uh, two for two on Tai Tuivasa. Um, I, I look at this matchup, and I think Tai Tuivasa is the more powerful of the two guys. That's not to say Greg Hardy can't put you to sleep, but I, I believe that if if both guys land clean, um, Tai Tuivasa is getting the better of that. I also think Tai Tuivasa has the better chin of the two guys. I think Tai Tuivasa is more well-rounded as far as his skill set, and I think he has a better gas tank. Uh, I, I don't know what check mark you would give Greg Hardy in this matchup. I, I This is a tough matchup for Greg Hardy, and, and I think uh, for Tai Tuivasa, he has to love this because he's getting a main card fight against a guy that's less skilled than him but has a much bigger name because Greg Hardy played in the NFL once upon a time. Uh, this is the perfect situation for Tai Tuivasa to once again gross us out after the fight and uh, pour the, the beer and the spit and stuff in the shoe and uh, just a disgusting display. But I appreciate it. Uh, Tai Tuivasa for me. You know, I thought for sure with with the whole shoey thing with that Tai Tuivasa does and then the fact that Greg Hardy, Greg Hardy once played for your Cowboys. I really thought that you were going to roll the dice and pick Greg Hardy on this one, but I guess, you know, your mind just said, you know, we're, we're going to go with Tai Tuivasa on this one. Dude, I don't even think this one's close, to be honest with you. Um, I like I'm, I, I mean, I guess Greg Hardy has a puncher's chance, and I do think this will be a war, and if you land, you know, then I that's where he could win it, but if he doesn't get it done early, I just, I think this is all tied to Ivasa. And, uh, yeah, again, better gas tank, more, better skills, more power, better chin. Yeah, agreed, man. Uh, you know, Greg Hardy, he's proven that he's tough. Like, he went uh, five rounds, I believe, with Volkov uh, in a fight that, you know, Volkov just picked him apart. But, you know, Greg Hardy was there for the for the entire fight. Um, Greg Hardy's tough, but... When, I, you know, with this fight, I just think it just it's going to take all the layers of MMA. Greg Hardy's going to be sw swinging wild and everything, but you know, I think Tai Tuivasa has been there, done that. You know, seen the best of them, and uh, it's going to be Tai Tuivasa. All right, our co-main event: we have welterweights Gilbert Burns and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Gilbert Burns is nineteen and four overall. Thompson sixteen four and one overall. Oddshark.com has Gilbert Burns as a plus. 140 underdog, Stephen Thompson, minus 170 favorite, which was a bit of a surprise to me, actually. Will Brewer, welterweights in the co-main event. What do you got? Yeah, this is uh, a big welterweight fight, um, especially for Wonderboy, because if he wins this fight, he could potentially be the next guy in line, you know, after Kobe Covington for that title shot. Um, he's a guy that hasn't fought Usman yet, and just the styles of those two guys will make for a very interesting fight. And uh, he's fighting Gilbert Burns, the guy who's ranked ahead of him. I think that uh, we forgot how good that Wonder Boy is for a while. I think, you know, he lost to Darren Till. He lost to Anthony Pettis with that big uh, knockout off the cage. And then he was getting hurt, so he wasn't very active. I think people kind of forgot about him. You know, he lost to Tyron Woodley. Um, when he when, uh, fought him twice for the title, lost to him and everything. So I think people kind of just uh, forgot about him. And I think finally, you know, with these two wins that he's had against Luke and Jeff Neal, he's he's starting to show people that he's still that guy. Like he can still he's still a very, very um, big puzzle to figure out, difficult puzzle to figure out. And, you know, Vicente Luque wasn't able to get to him. Jeff Neal had uh, trouble getting to him. 
I just don't know if Gilbert Burns has the recipe to uh, to mess with uh, Stephen Thompson. I mean, Gilbert Burns has the power. You know, he's got uh, a black belt in jujitsu. But if you're not able to reach him, if you're if you're just getting picked apart from the outside for the entire fight, um, all of that is just you know it's not even going to be able to be used. Um, so I kind of feel like that's going to be what we see. I think uh, Wonder Boy's uh, shown us again that he's very, very good, and uh, I think this is going to be Wonder Boy all the way, man. <laughs> I I completely agree with everything you said. I think that uh, I I am a big fan of Gilbert Burns. Um, I, you know, I thought that uh, I thought he could have been the champion when he was facing Kamaru Usman. I think he's that good. I, this is the worst possible matchup for him. And when you look at what Usman was able to do with that jab and and his distance management. Now elevate that to what Stephen Thompson can do, but add the legs to the equation. I, yeah. I think this is a really tough puzzle for Gilbert Burns to have to figure out. And and look, Stephen Thompson, uh, unlike a lot of fighters, uh, he, he he's not going to force the issue, right? Like he's not going to try to do something outside of his range of skills. He's totally comfortable with just being in the octagon, fighting his fight, and if it goes the distance, it goes the distance. Like. Have you ever seen Stephen Thompson really get outside of of what he want what he does well? Uh, and what he does well, I think, is problematic for Gilbert Burns in this matchup. So, I, I think uh, Gilbert Burns is going to have to use his quickness uh, and, like you said, maybe take this thing to the ground if he can. I mean, I think Wonder Boy is has really good takedown defense, uh, but. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I think this is just going to be a really tough fight for Burns, and I think you're just going to see Stephen Wonderboy Thompson be patient and wait this thing out and use his his uh, length, and uh, it's going to be a big problem. So, I this this to me just seems like a fight that's going to go the distance, and uh, at the end, Stephen Thompson's hand gets raised. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the only, uh, you know, of course. Anything can happen in a fight, but, you know, just from my experience and everything watching the sport, I think uh, what Wonder Boy tends to struggle with, and I don't even know if I want to call it a struggle with, but he gets caught by surprise at times. Like Pettis with that uh, big Superman punch off the cage. Like, who expects that? You know, that's, <laughs> right. that's just, that, that, right. that was like a Hail Mary. That was a Hail Mary, right? Um, T-Wood, you know, T-Wood is very, very explosive. And... You know, Wonder Boy was winning a vast majority of the fights that he had with with uh, with T Wood, but there would be those times when T Wood would just explode and would land something and would take uh, Wonder Boy off his feet. I think Gilbert Burns. That's if I were Gilbert Burns, that would be something that I would lean on, um, being able to because Wonder Boy is explosive or not Wonder Boy. Gilbert Burns is explosive. Uh, we seen him knock down T Wood. We seen what he did against uh, Usman. He knocked him down too. So. Uh, Gilbert Burns is explosive. Uh, just finding those opportunities to be explosive is what's going to be uh, very problematic for him. But I think if he uh, just finds it and just says, fuck it, I'm going for it and uh, land something, anything can happen. By the way, my prediction is if if Wonder Boy looks good at the end of this fight, he's getting the title shot. Before Covington or after? Yes, before. Really? Okay. That's my prediction, especially if he finishes Gilbert Burns. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But if he wins by decision, but it's a pretty dominant performance where you feel like he pretty much swept all the rounds, um, I could, I can definitely see them going that route. I, don't, I, I think Kamaru Usman would much rather give it to somebody that hasn't fought him, that has the legacy that Wonderboy has anyway, versus going the route of, of Colby or Leon Edwards or somebody that he's already been through. Right. Absolutely. I think if one, especially if Wonderboy is able to finish this fight, because if he just gets out of decision and everything, that's, that's typical Wonderboy. That's the, the Wonderboy that we're used to. We're used to seeing him pick apart guys and uh, go to the finish and uh, just get the 30, 27 decisions, get his hand raised and everything. But if he gets a knockout with a spinning kick or whatever on a Conor McGregor card, and then has probably the nicest call out in UFC history, calls out the champion. Um, I really think he'll uh, probably get the title shot because people are already saying how problematic of a matchup that he is for Usman. 
I'm sure that that's going to get Usman up because he's already talking about lapping these guys, Masvidal, Covington, you know, Leon Edwards. He's already beat these guys. Wonderboy is a fresh matchup. It's a problematic matchup for him. So if I were Usman, that would be something that really gets me excited, uh, and that would add to his legacy for sure. By the way, Wonderboy's last finish was 2016 against my guy Johnny Hendricks. Oh, man. I remember that fight. Dang. That was a long time ago, man. It's been a while. So it's been a minute. All right, Will, our main event, the trilogy fight between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier, 27 and 6. Conor McGregor, 22 and 5. And currently, oddshark.com has Dustin Poirier as a minus 120 favorite, plus 100 for Conor McGregor. Whew. All right, man. So I've been thinking about this fight all week long. Uh, you know, I kind of, for Dustin, you know, that second fight, he used the calf kicks and they, and people were talking about how great of an adjustment it was. But if you go back and when you watch the first fight, Dustin Poirier was landing some really, really good leg kicks, uh, in that fight as well. Just, you didn't really, you don't really see stuff like that because the fight ended the way it did. So you don't really, you sweep down in the rug, but I'm sure, um, Dustin Poirier and his coaches went back, watched film, and they saw that that was a very successful tactic that they had throwing those leg kicks uh, because Conor doesn't check them. He just kind of takes it. And in the second fight, they just were starting to pile up because Conor was just really looking for that knockout that he got in the, in the first fight. But what was so great about Conor in the first fight was his stance, you know, the karate stance. He was so long, and he was just darting in and out, and it was making it really tough for Dustin to really – land anything flush as far as his hands but one thing that he could always land was those was those uh leg kicks so that was something that i really think that his uh team saw and uh utilized in the second fight so i think we're going to see in this fight we're going to see connor go back to that karate stance we're going but i'm wondering what dustin's going to be able to do because i feel like of course he's going to want to throw the calf kicks but i really think dustin's so good everywhere that he could take this fight wherever he wants Connor's a storm early. We know that Connor's going to be looking to throw these death blows at him and everything. But if Dustin wanted to turn this into a grappling match and just took him down and uh, had him up against the fence for the whole fight, I truly think that Dustin could do that. Uh, I think it just all boils down to those first couple rounds, man. If if Dustin's able to withstand the storm, that is Connor McGregor. You know, if he's able to withstand the big punches. I do think that Dustin's gonna um, he's gonna go through some adversity in these early rounds. I think he's gonna get knocked down. Uh, it just depends on if he's able to get get back up, if he's able to weather that storm. Because I do think Connor Early is probably the best fighter in UFC history outside of you know like uh, Francis Ngannou Early or Jose Aldo Early. But Conor McGregor Early is is a scary scary guy. So. Man, you know, Dustin's just so well-rounded. It just, ah, I've been going back and forth on this. But, you know, just to go opposite you, because I know Dustin's your boy, I'm going to pick Connor. Oh, nice. <laughs> Connor McGregor is the pick for Will Brewer. All right, it's uh, it's Dustin Poirier for me. And, and mostly, Will, it, it's not even really about uh, fandom as much as, like, how much can really change in the course of six months as far as, Conor McGregor going into the last fight, we had the conversation in January, like he's not been active. Uh, Dustin Poirier has so many more skills. Dustin Poirier has been tested. He's been through these wars. He's faced all this adversity. Uh, you know, he's still trying to to reach his dreams, whereas Conor McGregor's the richest athlete in the world. And while I absolutely believe Connor's been training his ass off, and I absolutely believe that Connor desperately wants to avenge that loss, I, I, I just th- there's something to, you know, wanting to to become something versus once you've already become that, trying to remain as hungry as as you've been. Uh, I I just think that this is once again a scenario where 
If Conor McGregor doesn't finish him early in this fight, which is very much a possibility, don't get me wrong, I I think there's this narrative out there for some reason that Conor's washed up and he lost the last fight and he can't do it anymore and he needs to hang it up. That's all bullshit. Conor McGregor is still really, really scary, and he's absolutely capable of finishing this fight. I just, I I don't think, if he doesn't get it done early, I I think that the different weapons that, that Poirier can throw at him will add up and it'll be another Poirier win, whether it's the leg kicks, it's uh, tying him up, it's taking him. I mean, I I think we very much could see takedowns in this fight as well. Uh, I don't know if you've caught any of Poirier's comments about the last fight, but he said he felt like he was so much stronger than Connor in the clinch and felt like he could take him down pretty easily. So, you know, that's that's one way you take away the scary advantage that is Connor McGregor, you know, rushing you out of the gate. So... I, I think Connor is absolutely capable of winning this thing. I think Connor is absolutely capable of getting a knockout early. But I think Dustin's just so well-rounded. He's been through so many wars. I don't think he's going to panic like most people do when that storm comes at you in the first minute of the fight. I, I think that, that Poirier is able to get through that. And then over the course of two or three rounds, just wears Connor McGregor down in a bunch of different ways. And uh, once again, claims victory. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this question, Dustin Poirier, or let me just say true or false, Dustin Poirier is the most well-rounded fighter that Conor McGregor has ever fought. Ooh, most well-rounded. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. See, when I thought of, when I thought about this fight, I truly thought like you know Conor's fought a lot of guys stylistically that are really really good for him i think dustin just everywhere that he can take this fight whether it's with the kickboxing whether it's with just grappling against the fence or with takedowns and everything or you know utilizing his jujitsu like dustin poirier is very underrated with his jujitsu game so you know he can really take this fight anywhere he wants but i just man I, I compared uh, – I was telling one of my buddies about this. I, I compare Conor McGregor to, to Russell Westbrook in a way because I really feel like, you know, Russ and Conor, they, they overwhelm you. Um, and if they're not able to overwhelm you and use the complete – their complete arsenal, sometimes their complete, their, their complete arsenal, it's really not enough. Yeah. Um, so, like, when, when Conor McGregor, outside of those first two rounds, when he's forced to really dig down deep and go into the bag of MMA – I just don't think his bag is is as um, is as full as Dustin Poirier's. But I think just early, and this is what you know, me picking Conor McGregor. I want Dustin Poirier to win. Don't get me wrong. I would love to see Dustin Poirier win this fight. I think he's fighting. He picked this fight for all the right reasons. You know, providing for his family. Um, I would love to see him win and get the title shot. I think he deserves it. But you know, I think um, Conor McGregor early, just that storm. Uh, you know, it's a big if on if Dustin Poirier can, you know, weather that storm. It's a, it's a big if because, you know, Connor has knocked out um, majority of his wins have all come early. And like Cowboy Cerrone, Eddie Alvarez, uh, Jose Aldo, they have all come early. So, you know, I think, you know, Connor can definitely land something really early and uh, put Dustin down. I, I, I'm thinking that Dustin does get knocked down. Whether he gets knocked out, that remains yeah. to be seen. But I do think Dustin will get knocked down early. Um, so I mean, I, man, it's yeah. it's a tough one. But I'm I'm picking Connor, but I want Dustin to win. I'm super curious to see how aggressive Connor is because I would imagine in some way your your the thought of that leg getting compromised the last time around is going to be something he's thinking about. Like it's that is going to be a very prevalent thought in his mind I would imagine so um I don't know I I don't know if that just means like he backs off a little bit or or how that changes his approach but in some way I would imagine it it prevents him from just being all out Conor McGregor come at you and and try to overwhelm you secondly what you said about all those early knockouts is true but I would also say this you know Conor McGregor takes all this time off certainly he's not as sharp as he was at one point in his career and Dustin Poirier is a veteran at this point like could Dustin make a mistake yeah he he could but 
the thought that Dustin Poirier is going to make a mistake to, to the point that Conor McGregor is going to be able to counter him with some big shot to me, it doesn't feel like that's as much of a, a possibility as it was maybe five years ago. Yeah, agreed. Uh, you know, Dustin, yeah, he's a veteran of this game. And, you know, Conor's trying to, you know, play mind games with him in these interviews, trying to say, oh, he's going to reach for my leg. He'd reach for my leg in 20 seconds, you know, just like the uh, Khabib did in 15 seconds or whatever. He's trying to make Dustin not uh, shoot for his leg. But, yeah. you know, Dustin's a veteran of this game. He's seen what Conor McGregor has done in the past. You know, he's not going to – the mental warfare, that type thing, like, Conor shouldn't even try that because Dustin's going to be stoic. Like, Dustin's not even going to let that in his head. So I think Conor should definitely be prepared to wrestle. He should definitely be prepared for the calf kick. And he should be prepared for Dustin's boxing because Dustin is a very, very crisp boxer. He should be prepared for all areas of MMA. And, you know, a lot of people were telling me that, you know, McGregor made the adjustments against Diaz and, uh, you know, he saw what he did, knocked him down, all this stuff. That's great. But Nate Diaz is going to fight the same exact fight every single time he goes out there. <laughs> right, right. Dustin, Dustin Poirier can fight uh, many different ways and still be an elite fighter. So, you know, McGregor can't make adjustments. He can be more aggressive. But, you know, Dustin can take this fight a lot of places. But, you know, I'm picking Conor just to be opposite you, but I would love to see Dustin win. All right. <laughs> All right, well, uh, the, this main card is fantastic, uh, but so are the prelims. This the prelims are loaded with great matchups as well. So, give me uh, give me the fights you're really looking forward to on the prelims. Man, I'm looking forward to a couple of them, but my main one, and this might be a surprise, I'm really interested in uh, Ryan Hall and Aliyah Taporia. Because, you know, I don't really know much about the Taporia kid, but every podcast that I listen to... Really impressive. Every podcast that I, that I listen to, everyone is talking about how impressive this guy is. Yeah. And But but when I think about Ryan Hall, I'm thinking about, man, like, this guy was so good. Like, he was on his way up. He had all these injuries, and nobody's been wanting to fight him. He finally gets a fight, and now no one's even really talking about him. Everyone's talking about the Taporia kid, so... I'm really interested to see that fight, but you know the prelims from top to bottom are are really good. Um, Nico Price, Michelle Pereira, that's going to be crazy. Uh, Condit Max Griffin is going to be crazy. Even uh, uh, Duplessis and Trevin Giles is going to be crazy. Like this whole prelim card, it's it's, it's phenomenal. Omari Akhmedov and Brad Tavares is like the third fight of the whole thing, uh, which is crazy oh. to me. Whenever Brad Tavares goes out there, like that's going to be a fun fight. Uh, Jennifer Maya, Jessica I, those are two former strawweight championship uh, challengers fighting. And this is all in the early prelims. And then we get to the the prelims, and that's just firework after firework after firework. So the whole night's going to be crazy. Uh, Duplessis, Trevin Giles, I think, is a fight of the night candidate. I think that Nico Price, uh, Pereira, is a fight of the night candidate. And then... um Probably Tuivasa, Greg Hardy. If I were gonna, if I were gonna put a poll together, and say which of these is fight of the night, Tuivasa, Greg Hardy, um, would be the other that I would put on there. What do you think? Fight of the night. Uh, you know, I'm actually gonna go Dustin and Connor in this one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's gonna be fight of the night. I think that fight's gonna go uh, three rounds. Um, winner. I don't know who's going to win, but I think it's going to be a three-round finish, whoever wins. And that's it's the whole entire 15 minutes is just going to be fireworks. going to be crazy. Um, but it's it's tough, though, because I do think uh, Duplessis and Trevor Giles is going to be crazy. That's going to be a great fight. Um, Nico Price and Michelle Pajeda, just their styles. I mean, <laughs> I just don't feel like there's any other way that the fight could go except just craziness. Like um, it's, I almost feel like it's going to be the guy that's less reckless because they're both so right. reckless. Like they both fight like so recklessly that I, somebody's getting KO'd in that fight. Absolutely. Someone's <laughs> getting KO'd in that fight. I mean, I th- I just don't feel like there's any other way that Michelle Pajeda can fight. I-, I feel like there's been people who say like he's been adding layers to his game. He's been doing, he's been adding uh, grappling and takedowns and stuff. But I think Nico Price is going to bring out the craziness in him because Nico Price is just going to be crazy. I mean, I think it's going to be a battle of who's crazier. 
I mean, both these guys are both reckless. I mean, Michelle Pajeda is going to be throwing uh, cartwheel kicks and flip kicks or whatever. Like, <laughs> this fight's going to be – that fight's going to be wild. Uh, two of us and Greg Hardy, they're going to be throwing bombs. But I, I think two of us is going to end up taking him down and uh, getting a grounded pound. Uh, but Dustin Connor, that's my, that's my pick, man. What about you? Fair enough. Uh, I will go – let's go with uh... – Let's go to plus is Trevin Giles. That's a good pick, man. I I think out of all these fights, um, that's my number two pick because that fight's going to be fireworks. That one and, and Nico Price, Pereira, like, there's no way that one's not a great fight. Like, right. zero and, and, chance and it, that's not a wild fight. Yeah, that's got to be a wild fight. And then we can't sleep on Condit and Max Griffin. I mean, those are two veterans, yeah. but I do think that both of those guys have a wild fight left in them for sure. Let's hope so. Yeah, this uh, this entire fight card is loaded not only with big names, star power names, but great matchups that uh, that that just kind of give me the impression we're going to be in for a lot of entertainment inside that octagon Saturday night. Yeah, from start to finish, man this this fight card is loaded. Um, I think we're going to be out of our chairs um, immediately from this fight. Uh, from this fight night. So um, if you're one of those people who just want to tune into the main card or just towards the end of the prelim card, just go ahead and just watch the early prelims because I promise you, um, you're going to be glued to your seat and then you're going to jump out of your seat once you see these prelims. So <laughs> it's going to be crazy. We are uh, we are only a week away from uh, Makashev uh, Moises, two weeks away from Sanhagen Dillashaw, and it's wild to me that that Lewis gone fight is uh, happening August 7th in Houston. Man, you know, I don't want to get into that because I'm going to ramble for about 10 minutes on that fight because I have a lot of thoughts on it. Of course, Real Gone's one of, one of my uh, favorite fighters to watch. So I, um, I'm happy that he's getting this fight. But w- what they did to Francis, it's uh, I don't like it. So. That's but, the uh, that's um, the <laughs> overwhelming thought from fight fans, I think, across the world is uh, WTF, guys. What are we doing here? Yeah, man, the, the guy's been champion for three and a half months. Like, come on now. <laughs> like, we're putting an interim right. title line after the guy's been champion for three and a half months when Stipe... I Stipe mean, I and Stipe. DC held this division up for basically three years. Right. They held this division up for three years. And Francis said... I will fight. I'm ready. I'll be ready to fight in September. Yeah, an extra month. One extra month, but he's not ready to fight on August seventh. So you you put an interim title on the line. I just don't Ugh. get it. Ah, come on, UFC. We got to be better than that. Yeah. I I also do think in some way this is if you can't get the John Jones fight done, which is what everybody wants. Um, getting the momentum from either Lewis or gone winning this fight probably softens the blow if that's the route you have to go for Nganu instead of John Jones. Yeah, I mean, of course everyone wants to see that fight. But, you know, I just think if you just would have waited a month, you could have easily just put on yeah. that uh, Derek Lewis and Francis Nganu fight. I mean, not to say Strogan doesn't deserve his uh, this shot because he does, but, you know, Francis and Derek Lewis, they put on a dud uh, in that first fight, I think, I think they owed it to themselves, they owed it to the fans, they owed it to the UFC to rematch for the heavyweight title and put on a show. But I, I think, of course, I'm pick, I'm gonna pick Cyril Gane in that fight. I think we're gonna get robbed of seeing Francis and Lewis too because Cyril Gane's gonna wipe the floor with Derek Lewis. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the the Gone Lewis fight to me just screams Gone Rosenstrike. Exactly, you know because. You know, Derek Lewis, you know... It's the exact same he's fight. good. It's the exact same fight. And Rosenstrike, he was thinking too much. You know, like, Cyril Gane's a puzzle. And I think some of these fighters like Rosenstrike and Volkov, they start to stand back and they try to play his game. Like, how can I out... Like, how can I get in? How can I outpoint this guy? You know, Derek Lewis is going to be waiting for Cyril Gane to make a mistake. But Cyril Gane's just going to be jumping around, waiting for for Derek Lewis to come in. It's not going to be a Curtis Blaze where Curtis Blaze makes a, mis- a boneheaded mistake and Derek Lewis can capitalize on it. Cyril Gane is a very, very smart technical striker, so he's going to be laid back, just 
waiting for Derrick Lewis to throw those haymakers. And when he does, he's going to just move out of the way. And, you know, he's going to be a very far uh, – he's going to – his distance managing is crazy, so he's going to be very far away. So um, if Derrick Lewis is going to be waiting for Shreel Gunn to make a mistake, it's going to be 50-45, and we're going to be wondering why Derrick Lewis didn't pull the trigger. Right. No doubt. Saturday night, UFC 264, the trilogy between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. We are on opposite sides of the main event. Will Brewer, I cannot wait for this fight card on Saturday. Always fun, my friend. Uh, you know, I'm hoping deep down, I'm hoping that Dustin Poirier wins. But for the sake of our points, let's go, Connor. And uh, mute microphone. <laughs> he is Will Brewer. I am Colby Daniels, and we will talk to you next time. Podcast is over.